You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. From Nina in In the Heights, Angelica from Hamilton, Elphaba in Wicked, and Amneris in Aida, and many more, Mandy Gonzalez has carved out her own unique niche on Broadway and in music, television, and film. She's as passionate on stage as she is off, lending her vocal talents, her time, her energy in support of a number of really important causes. I've gotten to know Mandy from our mutual friend, Lynn Miranda, and we've worked together on some televised concerts. I remember the Tony Awards preview show and Viva Broadway. She is a fearless and beautiful human inside and out. Mandy, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Oh, thank you for that introduction, Jan. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to talk to you. We have not talked in the last year. and. I'm just sitting here as I was preparing for this. I was thinking, well, 2020 has been a shit show for everybody, but <laughs> particularly difficult for you. And yes. I mean, a cancer diagnosis, I'm so thankful that you beat it. Um, but cancer, a pandemic, a Broadway shutdown where you were starring in Hamilton as Angelica and shut down in March, mm-hmm. dealing with virtual schooling for your daughter, yeah. political and social upheaval. What has this last year been <laughs> like for you? And are you okay? Yes, How are you doing? I'm. I'm okay. I think uh, this last year was a lot, and I think for everybody. Uh, but for me, I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer um, stage one in uh, October of uh, 2019, and so everything started very fast. When you get a diagnosis like that, um, it was after my first mammogram and I don't have breast cancer in my family. So it was a real surprise. Um, And you go, everything happens, like I said, really fast. And so I was scheduled for surgery uh, in November, November 17th. And through all this, I was trying to kind of maintain my normalcy, which is eight shows a week. And I just said, you know, let's have, can I have surgery on my day off? So that way, you know, I'll have a easier time to recover and get back on stage. It was just, you know, the craziness of 
loving what you do for a living um, and just wanting the show to go on. And I remember having my surgery, being off for a week. Uh, I had a lumpectomy and uh, being off for a week after that and then going back to the show and not being able to raise my arm for the work pose mm. and being very embarrassed. Uh, I hadn't told a lot of people that what I was going through at that time. And I remember telling my stage manager, I, Amber, I can't lift my arm. And she goes, that's okay. You can lift it as much as you can and then you'll get there. And I was like, okay, I'll get there. And then, um, you know, going and starting uh, chemotherapy. So it was just kind of getting everybody in my, my family prepped for that and getting myself prepped for that. And uh, beginning that and what, you know, that is, which is really hard. And then in, I, I think it was like the end of February or beginning of March, um, my parents came out to see me, to help me with my daughter uh, during that time. And then we started to hear rumblings uh, at the hospital about a pandemic and, you know, this coronavirus at the time, that's what they were calling it, but we didn't know what it, nobody knew what it was. And, you know, not to be too alarmed, they were going to have a meeting at the hospital and then at the show, um, starting to hear, you know, you no longer could go uh, have visitors backstage, you no longer could go to the stage door, starting to be um, cautious. And then to the next week, my parents leave um, and I look at them and I'm like, oh, we don't know what's happening. When am I going to see you again? And then all of a sudden it was like the show's closed and the world stopped. And yet I had to keep going for treatment. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had to find a way to get into New York to go to treatment. And at that time, you know, my daughter couldn't go to school. So, and we couldn't use a babysitter because we didn't know what was going on. So they had to come with me to treatment. And that was something that I had wanted to protect from her, uh, protect her from seeing me like that. And um, my husband made the best of it and we made it a family trip. And <laughs> then from there that happened in March, uh, things got really difficult and I could no longer have anybody in the room with me. And I could, I had a really hard time getting into New York. But luckily, my oncologist was at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and Memorial Sloan has um, a facility in New Jersey. And so they decided to move me to New Jersey. And instead of being um, with somebody that I love going through this, um, I was by myself. And my husband was uh, waiting in the parking lot with our daughter for those five hours that I had to have treatment. Um, but I made it. I made it through that and I I was so, you know, it's like the little things that you get really bummed about. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> we're going to ring the bell together and it's going to be this big moment. And, you know, nobody wanted to get near you or, you know, mm -hmm. you were in a full mask and gear. And But, you know, I'm so thankful to um, the nurses there because after I finished my chemotherapy, they all came out, it was raining and they all came out and started to applaud. And, mm. you know, I guess being the, the actor that I am, I needed that. <laughs> and so I just felt like, yes. And then my husband was there with the sign and it was like, we did do it together. And, mm. and then I, I had to start radiation. <laughs> it's like it never ended. But the thing was, um, the thing that I took away from this time 
you know, during my beginnings of chemotherapy, I, I still kept trying to go and, and do the show. And, you know, I would have really bad days and I had to allow myself to take breaks. So I was doing about five shows a week, but I didn't realize until I stopped how much I needed to stop hmm. and just go through what I needed to go through and, um, and just be on this journey, you know? So you were, there was an event, it was the Breast Cancer Research Foundation yes. an event called Hot Pink Evening. Yes. And you, I'm going to, quote what you said at that event. And I'd love to hear you comment about this. You said, sure. hi, I'm Mandy Gonzalez. I'm a breast cancer survivor, but I'm so much more. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm an actor. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. And I'm the founder of the Fearless Squad. Hmm. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer in November, my world turned upside down and I learned that we can not only survive breast cancer, but we can thrive. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about well, let's talk about the Fearless Squad. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I created the Fearless Squad almost four years ago. And I started the Fearless Squad, hashtag Fearless Squad, because um, I was getting a lot of, you, when I first started on Broadway, people would write you letters. Do you remember those? <laughs> they would write you letters and it would take time. And then you would write them back. But now everything is so immediate. And when I started Hamilton, you know, Hamilton is such a juggernaut and it brings so many people to you that I had so many young people that were writing me and feeling so alone, like they didn't belong. And these messages that they would send me, I just, my heart just poured out to them. And I've been so blessed in my own life to have a fearless squad that I could count on. Mm -hmm. But I thought, if you don't have a fearless squad, you can just be part of mine. And I put it out on social media. And I had no idea mm -hmm. that it would become a movement that would, you know, start to bring in thousands of people from all over the world that had this connection of, and had this need of wanting to belong. And I had no idea that when I created this fearless squad that I would be the one that would need it the most mm. at a certain point in my life because I've had a lot of people from the squad that have reached out to me that are going through a lot of different things. Um, a lot of young people going through cancer, um, their parents going through cancer or an illness and feeling like they needed support. And so when I did finally come out and talk about uh, my diagnosis, I think I came out in January, um, it was such a relief. I was so scared to do that. And then it felt like such a relief because they were right there for me. I had so many messages of support, not only from my Broadway community, but from my fearless squad. And uh, I really felt like I was no longer alone. And now it continues with so many uh, people that I've met along the way on my journey. You know, when I said those things, I'm a breast cancer survivor, thriver, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, I, but I'm so much more. I, I never wanted this to define who I was, you know, because, and I, I think we all feel like that when we're going through a diagnosis of some kind of illness where we, ha we have this, but we're also this and this mm -hmm. and this and this, and it doesn't, life doesn't stop because you, you get diagnosed with um, breast cancer. In fact, it keeps going like even more because you have all these other things that you have to deal with. So I, I wanted people to, um, to be able to, to see themselves in, 
I guess, a little bit of my story. I, I hope they do. And I know that uh, through other survivors and thrivers that I've met, they've now also become a part of uh, the Fearless Squad. So that makes me so happy. It's so awesome. Laura Benanti did a performance of You'll Never Walk Alone from Carousel yes. for you that night. Yes. And she said, you were the bravest, kindest, and most selfless person. And that's so true. And I think that the whole concept of the Fearless Squad is just an example of that. You know, you, you've you given so much to so many people. And I think you've also shown people from your own example that, you know, bad shit can happen, but good shit can come out of the bad shit. You know what I mean? And the, <laughs> exactly. the, whole, the whole thriving part really comes out of, you know, out of that. And um, I think that's a really important lesson for people to learn. And you've, you've demonstrated it so beautifully. And I'm sure you've got good days and bad days still. And, yeah. and then you can rely on, you know, your fearless family to help you because yeah, we're, all, we're all in it together, right? Yeah. You know, I've learned so much um, from my life in the theater, but one of the things I've learned is that, um, you know, because you do eight shows a week, you want every show to be perfect. Okay. But that's just not possible. You may have one show where you feel like, oh, it's hundred percent my voice. And I felt like I was just one with the character mm -hmm. and with the fellow actors. And then there's those other shows where you're sick or something happens, but I I've learned that there's perfection in the imperfection too. You can learn things from those moments where it's not, uh, at all what you expected. And, and I think that I've brought that into my own life. And especially throughout this past year, I've learned that there, there are perfect moments in the imperfection. So, and I've tried to hold on to that, you know? Yeah. I think that this past year, if there's anything, it's about just gratitude, right? And being yeah. grateful for the, the, even the things we have. And every day just trying to be, you know, take from an actor's point of view, even though I'm not one, but being in the moment, being present and just um, connecting with it's that. It's the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. It really is. I, I think that it's something that I have to practice on a daily basis. And I'm so lucky because we have this incredible child who reminds us of that every day, you know, she's nine. And it's like, you could be having the worst possible day, but something happens for her. And it's like in the moment, and it becomes your whole world. So I feel so lucky that I feel so lucky that I made it so that I have more time with her. You know, that's my, my most, uh, that's what I'm most grateful for. I totally understand. Mm -hmm. Having three daughters. Yes. Um, <laughs> Although much older and not exactly every moment is perfect. You know? um, yes, I get it. But, you know, the other thing I was thinking about um, that kind of connects us in a way, you just took part in um, the 18 Voices, which was yes. the Liberation Day readings for of young writers from mm -hmm. their diaries from the Holocaust as part of the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. And it was the day that Auschwitz was liberated. I think it was the 76th anniversary. Yes. So... I know you're a little bit of a mutt. You're half Latina and half Jewish, yes. right? And yeah. I, I'm Jewish and I'm, my family are Holocaust survivors. Mm. So I could really relate to that. And, um, you know, talk mm. about sort of taking some good out of some bad um, things that happen. But mm -hmm. what, um, you know, how did you become involved with that cause and what does it mean to you personally? Well, you know, I started this program uh, with the JCC after my diagnosis, after really getting through chemo. Um, and we started a program that happens now monthly on a Monday uh, 
every month and it's a cancer cares program. And I didn't realize that the JCC offers free um, cancer care for people going through cancer or their families. And it's free classes like dance classes, singing, um, painting, writing. And I, I, we put together this, this show called Broadway's best for breast cancer. And I, I bring some of my friends on and we do a couple Broadway songs for, um, for people that are going through this. And the producer of that show told me, uh, about this project and she wanted to know if I wanted to be a part of it. And I said, absolutely. As a lot of people don't know, you know, I am Mexican American, but I'm also Jewish. I've had people throughout my life go, Gonzalez, Jewish, like, what is that? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's part of me. It's who I am. And I remember my Bubby, you know, my, my great grandparents came over, um, came to this country in the early 1900s and, but their family did not. They were, they stayed in Poland. And so I remember my grandmother telling me stories about uh, she and her mother would put together boxes of clothes um, and send back to Poland every month during the war. And they never heard back from mm -hmm. anybody, but they kept doing it because that's what you do. And, and so I felt it was so wonderful to tell these incredible stories from young people that were going through this because I think about you know, young people right now and, and what they're going through and how um, this time is affecting them. It's, it's so difficult. And so uh, the 18 voices, I, I got to tell two stories, um, got to be a vessel for two, two beautiful stories. And one was about a young girl who was about 12 or 13 and couldn't fit in her dresses. And she didn't want to wear this one dress because it didn't fit her anymore. But you know, they were in um, the ghetto, the Warsaw ghetto. And so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that song really made me think of my grandmother and made me think of her. And when she was young and those dresses she would send to, to everybody. And uh, so it, it was a wonderful and beautiful connection. But uh, I'm so glad that those stories were told. It was so important. My, I just, it's funny, we're talking about this, but I just recently found letters that my grandfather, who was in Vienna, um, wrote to his sister who had escaped to New York wow. in 1939. Um, ultimately, he was killed in a concentration camp, but um, he wrote a I guess like 50 letters in a period of like nine months mm -hmm. and we had them all translated from German to English. So I was able to read them recently and oh they're just, gosh. it was so, uh, it was just so moving and so incredible. But I found before I even found those letters, I've been reading, you know, during this pandemic, for some reason, I've been focused on the Holocaust. So I've been mm -hmm. reading all these books and listening to all these audiobooks about the Holocaust. And mm -hmm. somehow I think it's helped give me some perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, like if they went through that, we can get through this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I remember um, when I first uh, came out with my diagnosis, a really good friend of mine, she gave me a book called The Choice, um, which is a Holocaust like memoir. Um, and I felt at the time, like, why would she give me this book? Like, I don't know about if I want to read this, I want to read things that are going to just uplift and, mm -hmm. you know, but it was the best book I could have gotten because it was so inspiring and so uplifting. And I think it, it just reminds me of the human spirit and what is possible, you know, when you go through um, times of angst, times of just 
just horrible times and how you get through it and how you keep going. And I think that I carry that story and stories that I've heard throughout my life with me, you know? I think that's right. I think that we're so, somebody said early on during the pandemic that think back on your own family's history and all they've gone through and the resiliency that they've had. And I think that's helped me a lot just getting through the last year about my strong, particularly the strong women in my family that, um, you know, lived through so much um, tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of tragedy, then it leads to me to think of a little bit about empathy. And you also performed at the empathy concert. Yes. Um, how did that all come about? And when was when was that anyway? Oh, gosh, that was just this past week. You know, yeah. I did another one of uh, these concerts. My my dear friend and Broadway actor, Telly Leong, had mm-hmm. contacted me. And he puts together these uh, concerts with his friend, uh, Elliot Maisie. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautiful. It connects um, Broadway performers with people in um, the business industry, like all different industries, really. And we we talk about just what's going on in the world. And then we sing. And I tell you, it feels so good to sing right now. Uh, I tell young people that I that I work with, students that I do master classes with, but, you know, it's important to find your safe space to sing. Because I don't know about you, if, if you sang when you were a kid or did something that my my brother and sister, it was like, I was just such a weirdo, you know, because I just loved to sing out loud. And I loved Ethel Merman. And, you know, I just wanted to sing all the time. And so we had rules in my house, which is, um, you know, no singing at the table, no singing <laughs> after this time. And so I want kids to know, like, you got to find that space where you can sing and these empathy concerts or any concerts that I do right now, I always just say, hi, neighbors, because if you've heard me sing, like you're going to hear my voice. (laughs) But it's so freeing. Um, The thing I miss the most is being able to collaborate with other Mm -hmm. artists because of um, how things are uh, virtually. There's no way to really sing live. Um, I mean, there are ways, but it's very difficult to sing live with the with an accompanist, with a, you know, with a piano player, with a bass line. And, you know, I miss, I miss that so, so much, you know. So do you sing every day? I home? sing every day. Yeah. You sing walking around the house? Oh, absolutely. Doing the dishes? Yeah, my husband and daughter are like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I sing all the time. And my daughter sings all the time. I mean, her stuff, she's very into um, Joan Jett. And uh, oh, yeah, wow. she's, she's, started to learn how to play the electric guitar during this uh, pandemic time. That's been her, uh, along with dolls and, and things like that, that's been her uh, her love. But uh, we sing all the time. Even my husband sings, which, you know, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's <laughs> But he's a painter, so um, there's a lot of creating always going on in my house. That's well, especially during this time, I probably that's just a good outlet for all of you, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's not a notepad. I always buy notepads. Um, I order them online, or if I get a moment to go to Target, it, uh, I go and do that. But there's not a notepad that stays clear in my house. It's constantly filled. I mean, I'm sure you have the same thing. It's like constantly filled with ideas, <laughs> and you know, I, I never throw anything away because it could be something, you know, who knows what's so going to. Yeah, right, right. You know? right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So other than singing, one of the things that um, I've noticed when I talk to some of the guests, is, and, and for me it was definitely true, um, people are very influenced by the way they've grown up as far as their philanthropy and their social activism. You obviously are very you know, you're a social activist, you're a philanthropist, you, you know, give so much of your, your time, your energy to, um, to important causes. Mm -hmm. So did you grow up that way? Did your parents do that? And same part B to that question, I guess, is, are you, how do you model that? Well, you are modeling it for your daughter, but do you actually have like, like, do you have her doing anything or does she see you doing it? Do you have conversations about cause and how important it is? Absolutely. Um, you know, she's a, a Girl Scout, and that has continued throughout the virtual uh, realm. Uh, this, for Valentine's Day, she's made, um, she and her troop have made Valentine's for uh, a local senior center uh, that uh, somebody is going to drop off to them. Uh, so she's very aware. Wait, of- wait, quick, quick question about the Girl Scout thing. Is she selling cookies? Yes, she, but the, it's I'm- our... Okay, I want to order. I'll send, I'll send you. I'll send you the link. I want she to send the midships. Not going door to door. Right. It's all can... like they have digital cookie now. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yes, she's got it all. She's got it all. But um, but yeah, I think I, I've always had. I, I think that that's a big superpower that I have is my empathy, and I definitely learned that from my parents. You know, I come from a very hardworking family. Um. My father grew up uh, traveling between Mexico and uh, America with his parents. You know, they were they would travel and follow the crop. They were farm workers. And so they would migrate along with the crop. And they ended up uh, in a small town in California because my my abuelito got a job as a foreman. And I think growing up in two different worlds. You know, my parents met as pen pals. Uh, My father was drafted uh, to the Vietnam War when he was 18. My mom, I think a lot of my empathy comes from my mom, but my mom wanted to join the Peace Corps and her parents were like, absolutely not. (laughs) So she did the next best thing, which was um, a pen pal program. And she wrote to soldiers that maybe didn't have anybody to write to them. And my father, like I said, his family, everybody was working. My dad, um, growing up, he would work in the fields in the morning, go to school, come back and continue working. My abuelita, she would get up, she would make all the food um, for everybody and then also go work in the field. And so I think seeing that from a very young age, that didn't stop um, when I was a kid. You know, they still did that work. And 
So my parents met as pen pals and um, I was really brought into these two different worlds, you know, um, but they were so similar in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But seeing how hard um, my father fam- my father's family worked, I always felt like um, we always knew that uh, there was more we could do. You know, uh, there was always toys we were bringing. There was always clothes. Nothing ever went to waste in mm-hmm. my family. I think it's, and I think it's from both sides. I think that my my grandparents were from the Depression era, and so nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. And and I think that whatever you have, if you have enough, you give to somebody else. So I think that that started from a very very young age. Just seeing what was around me. You know, what my, my abuelos, what they had was the fruit from the farm. And if they had enough or extra, they would give it to us. And, and that was always one of my favorite things. Cause I mean, the fruit from the farm was incredible, but it would be maybe the fruit that fell on the ground or, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't perfect. It was the peaches and the tangerines and they picked all of it, you know, the grapes, everything. So um, I learned that everything is is precious. Uh, okay, now I have to. I got choked up here a moment. Aww. It's interesting though because you're right. Like the the Latina side of you and the Jewish side of you, there really is. It's so similar in some ways. It's tradition and family, right, and yeah. the same values. So um, you kind of got it double. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that if you I don't know if you're lucky you have, um, for me, I I had such an incredible, uh, grandmother. I had a bubby and I had an abuelita that were just very strong, strong women. And, uh, as a young girl myself watching them, it was just, I learned so much of, uh, what it takes, you know, to be fearless. To be fearless, absolutely. <laughs> so, speaking of which, um, you wrote a book called Fearless. I did. <laughs> so, wait, when is that coming out? So, the book is going to be launched um, by Simon and Schuster on April sixth. Um, I'm so beyond excited. It's a my first middle grade novel. I am writing actually um, a fearless series. So, during this pandemic, I've been writing um, my second book which will be coming out in the spring of uh, 2022. But I wanted to write stories, you know, after I created this fearless squad and I I started to learn so much more about people, I started to think about different stories that I wanted, that I would want to see and that I wanted to see as a, as a young person. You know, I started writing, I've always been writing, but I started writing a lot more when my daughter was born. I started to create these different characters because I couldn't get a job. So um, I was home. And so I was just, I would create stories and um, characters that that I would want to see. And so I wanted, um, those characters kind of stayed with me. And as I was creating stories for the, my Fearless Squad, this character, Monica Garcia, from Reedley, California, where my father grew up, um, came to me. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I, I didn't know how to get to Broadway. You know, I was from a small town. Everybody just kind of worked hard and survived. And, you know, I didn't know what to do, but I had this incredible grandma who had loved musicals and Broadway. And so 
I created this story around Monica Garcia. She she's um, Mexican American and she looks like me, and she um, has a dream of going to Broadway. And so this first book follows her journey from California all the way to opening night on Broadway, and she takes our abuelita with her. And so it is. It has been such an incredible uh, journey writing this story. Um, I would say for the past nine years, but um, you know, doing rewrites and all these things uh, for the past uh, three years. So I, I just can't wait for people to meet these incredible characters. And along the way, she creates a fearless squad, and they go on adventures in New York City, which is um, the place you know, my Emerald City, the place mm -hmm. I always wanted to go and uh, and feel like I belonged. And I always felt that New York was the place that allowed me um, to feel that way. I know. I miss New York right now so much. I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. You know, a lot of people feel like, first of all, there's so many words for being philanthropic or, or supporting causes and, you know, social activism, and there's a lot going on. And, you know, people, they always ask me, like, how can I get involved? What can I do? I can't do anything. You know, I don't have this or I don't have that. Um, what would you say to, like, your fearless squad? Um about being socially engaged or being, um, you know, philanthropic or charitable? I would say the, the same thing. Um, we all have this part of us that feels for other people that wants to help. And I have a lot of young people that come to me like after they've gone to school and they say, well, how do I get auditions? Like, how do I do that? And I said, well, are you getting the trade papers? Are you looking out? I mean, now they don't have to do that because they have it all on, <laughs> on right. social media, on virtual. But I asked them, well, are you doing that? And they say no. And I said, well, that's a place to start. So if people feel like they don't have a place to start, it's like, okay, well, are you connecting with your community? How do I do that? Well, every community has an Instagram page or has a Facebook page that says, we need this, you know, um, not being able to work during this time um, at my regular job has been very hard, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to help. I don't want to put myself out there. And so I do have um, friends that I've found that are collecting packaged foods and canned goods for other families that are in a, a place that that needs more help, mm -hmm. you know, at Christmas time, what, what does your community need? Look, my, at, for Girl Scouts, you know, we had to find what does our community need? Man, seniors aren't going to be able to see their grandkids for this holiday, for any holiday. Wouldn't they love a card that just said, I love you. I'm thinking about you. You know, it, it, it doesn't, you don't have to have a lot of money in order to make a difference. It just starts with um, what's inside. You know, and, and I would say, I would say that don't feel because you don't have a lot of money that you can't make a difference in somebody else's life. You know, it just starts with, um, like my mom, it just starts with a letter sometimes. Oh, yeah. There's one question that I've been um, thinking about, and I've asked mm -hmm. a, few, a few of my guests, and um, I don't, I don't really know the answer to the question myself, but if you could sort of imagine, um, when Broadway comes back, what changes would you want to see when it reopens? Like what would be your, your perfect Broadway? Like what would happen now that hasn't happened in the past? Wow. 
That's a great question, Jan. Um, one thing that I would love <laughs> is more bathrooms for women <laughs> backstage. <laughs> Um, because Wait, right now, and also in the audience, please in the yes, house. Because right now we have one stall for <laughs> the entire cast downstairs for the women. Um, the men have a couple stalls, and I think that that's really unfair because when the theaters were built, um, it was more men working at the theater, and now there's just as many women, and and I think that that needs to change. Well, to that point, I really hope all the theater owners are doing some, you know, things right now to enhance the theater experience, going experience. But I, really I hope so, especially with cleanliness and things like that. Like we need, we need at least two. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the next thing, I would just love to see. Um, you know, I I've been so so blessed to work with incredible uh, producers who have taken chances on on so many people uh, that of to tell stories that have really changed my life you know um seeing rent when i was in high school on the tony awards you know and seeing somebody like daphne rubin vega and adina menzel who look like me and feeling like i can do this like there's a place for me um you know and then being able to be a part of in the heights and hamilton i would love to just see more um more chances taken on uh, writers of color. Mm -hmm. I think that um, we need to be on the stage, but also um, behind the scenes as well. And uh, I know things are changing and we will get there, but I, I think that this, um, I, I hope that this definitely has shined a light on, um, on stories that need to be told because uh, it's very important to, to move forward in that way. I, I completely agree. A lot of people have said the same thing. You know, yeah. I think that, again, out of bad can come good, and hopefully there'll be positive changes in theater going. Absolutely. And, and I, I think, you know, one of my favorite things has been to do the, to do student matinees, mm. you know, um, and that started with Lin-Manuel and, and doing that at In the Heights. And, you know, before that, I, we didn't do that at any of the shows that I was a part of. So I would love to also see that just more students being able to come and see a show and whether it's the hit show or the not hit show, like, so they know the difference and they, because it, there's nothing like um, having students in the audience. They are so honest. I remember when we had students um, during In the Heights off Broadway. And uh, at that time, you know, we had people that were coming to see us, but we were still, you know, just trying to get people in the seats. You know, I remember mm -hmm. Chris Jackson and Lin-Manuel and I like going to these different places, singing their singing songs, going, please come see our show. <laughs> and uh, but then, you know, the students would come and it was like their story. They got it. And we were like, this is this is it. If we don't do another show like this was such a great experience. And so I think that's what the theater it has to be about, about giving back and bringing young people in, you know, they deserve it too. And hopefully with this new administration, the arts will be funded better and, and, Absolutely. and more people will be able to come to theater. And just you know, that inauguration, I mean, you know, I, I love seeing you on the video and I, it was so <laughs> funny because my husband and I were like, oh, who directed this? It was so, it was so well produced and so well done, you know, and then I saw your face. I go, I know who did it. <laughs> like so great. But, you know, when I got the call from Seth Rudetsky, 
um, if I wanted to be part of this song that they were going to do for the inauguration, I had no idea that it was actually going to be on CNN or anything like that. But the fact that we were included, you know, the fact that Lin-Manuel was up there, you know, representing and and I just felt like, gosh, Broadway, it's so um, it's so nice to be included, especially during this time, because um, we're here. And I think a lot of people um, forget that when they talk about New York and they say, oh, it's a ghost town, Broadway's a ghost town. It's like, no, we're here. We, and we are, have been performing virtually and we've been doing what we can do. You know, don't count us out. But uh, it, made, it made me feel so hopeful, Jan, for the future. Yeah, I, I think the inauguration, well, obviously I'm a little biased here on, on many levels, but right. um, yeah, I, I have, I feel like, I don't have to watch the news as compulsively as I did because I feel a little more relaxed, you know, like yeah. I don't, I don't need to, you know, just sit there watching CNN all day now. Exactly. Um, I, trust, I trust the people in power, but yes. you know, but that said, I think it goes back to the whole idea of arts education and, you know, it's such an important, such an important thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. as a non-performer, I can say that I grew up with a mother who took me to all kinds of cultural um, events and to theater. Growing up in LA, we went, you know, downtown to the music center, and that's where I saw my first Broadway show, touring um, mm. show, and it changed my life in a different way. Like, not that I wanted to be on that stage because I knew that wasn't going to happen, but yeah. it, you know, it's just it became part of the DNA that I that was a bit. That it made me. It helped form who I was, and um, and there's so many proven benefits of of theater for um, for kids and all kids um, for and yeah. it's so important to get the kids that are at risk and that don't have the same resources to be able to go to theater too. So and it's important for them to see and to know that a life in the arts is possible. To learn about all the backstage jobs that are possible and you know, I didn't learn about those kind of things growing up. And I, I think that it's so important for kids to know that because I, I talked to a lot of kids and kids whose parents were worried about them having a life in the arts. I mean, now their parents are like, what? Like, <laughs> you can't do that. You cannot make money. And I, I like to tell them, no, you can. A life in the arts is still possible. There are new things being invented every day by young people or people in general that are allowing us to, to do this on a virtual platform. So don't count yourself out. A life in the arts is possible. For sure. No one had ever told me that I could be, you know, the head of marketing for Broadway and the Tony Awards. Like I didn't know that job existed. Exactly. So for me, it was just like, it was a huge gift. But this time, this last year, as difficult as it has been for so many people, you know, there's a lot of creativity that's come out of it. And a lot of things that I think we'll all take with us um, into whatever comes next. And, we have to. Um, yep. <laughs> um, it has been so nice to talk to you and catch up on every level. Um, I just adore you. And I, um, I'm so grateful that you're healthy. And, um, and I'm so grateful that you are there being our fearless captain, you know, our fearless leader, truly, and, uh, and helping so many people get through not just this last year and everything with the pandemic, but just, you know, especially the young girls getting through just those crazy, crazy years and, and, yeah. and the feelings of not being enough. And you really make so many young women feel like they are enough. And that's so important. Thank you so much, Jan. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway Gives Back. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals with Brittany Bigelow and music by Eric Becker at Broderick Street Music. 
Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, and friend, Jim Lochner, and to Katie and Yo at BPN, Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency, the Charity Network, and to my fiance, Glenn Weiss, who is always my consultant. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.